Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Really well with what's been flowing uh, with the service today, and um, you know, everyone in our world, uh, whether you're in church or not or whatever it may be, everyone wants to belong. And uh, three words we often use in our church, and if you're, if you're new here to Bayside today, maybe you're on holidays, maybe you've just moved to Harvey Bay, I know there's new people moving here, maybe this is your first time at Bayside, and you're just kind of checking church out and trying to find your fit, and it's important that you find, you know, what where you belong, and, and where, which church you belong to, and where your gifts are, and things like that. But we really want people to encounter, connect, and belong encountering Jesus. That might be at an altar call. That might be someone praying for you. That might be just standing in the middle of a worship song like we were this morning and God's Spirit touched you and, and you encounter Jesus. It could be in a, you know, in a connect group or a small group. And the other thing we want people to connect. We want people to connect with each other and have you know, friendships and relationships and, and connect and get to know people. But also, just as important, we want people to belong and feel like they belong. You know, you can belong somewhere you don't need to like serve you know to belong you just need to feel like you belong in a place and then out of that belonging you often then want to serve and use your gifts and abilities to help others serving is really just helping other people connect with Jesus and so um we all want to belong. There's a need to belong. It's also known as belongingness is the actual term that is used. And it refers to human emotional uh, emotional need that to affiliate and with be accepted by members of a group. You know, that could be a peer group at school, to be accepted by co-workers at work, to be part of a sporting team, uh, or to be part of a church or organization of some kind. And so you can belong in many different ways. And all of us would be familiar with, you know, school. And I'm, you know, we, we uh, many, you talk to young people, they're always wanting to belong. And so sometimes people will do things that aren't always healthy just to try and belong. Just to try and fit in. Oh, I need to take up this habit or do this kind of thing which may not be right or good for me, but I'm going to do it because I want to fit in with these people. I want to feel like I belong. And so we, we've seen that stuff happen and maybe that's happened to you. And our need to belong is what drives us to, to seek out you know, stable, long-lasting relationships with other people. It also motivates us to participate you know, in clubs and sporting teams and church, uh, coming to church or get involved with a church or serve in a community organizations. We want to belong. So we thought, I want to be in a place where I can feel like I belong or connect with other people. And so by belonging to a group or with a group of people, we feel as if we are part of something that's bigger and more important than ourselves. And so at church, we want to, you know, be, we just want to have just all gathered together and go, oh, this is a nice little place to get together. We want to do something and be involved with something that's bigger than ourselves. We want to be part of a dream that I can't do on my own, but together we can. We want to see a city transform, we want lives transformed, people transformed and healed and saved and, and, and a brokenness restored and families that are broken restored and all these things and, and, and be hard to do all that kind of stuff by yourself but together and with God's help and through his Holy Spirit together as a church we can do something that's bigger than ourselves and there's a desire when we get involved with something like that that people go I want to belong to that 
and people you know get involved with other groups and other things and they or uh, you know play sport at a higher level because they want to be the champions they want to be the best of the best it's a it's something they can't do on their own and all these things but God wants to do it through his church and through us in 2020 a study of uh, college students found a positive link between a sense of belonging and a greater happiness and overall well-being, as well as an overall reduction in mental health outcomes, including anxiety, depression, hopelessness, loneliness, and social anxiety. In other words, when they felt they belong, all those things started to decrease in their life. Those things that are present suddenly started to move away because they felt like they belong. Even more so is when we realize that we, when we come to know Jesus and he becomes a part of our life, when we know we're accepted by him and belong to him, then all those things, more so than even that, he can remove all those things, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, loneliness, because we suddenly realize that someone who created the heavens and the earth, who created me, loves me and cares for me, accepts me. Even though I've got a whole lot of faults, he still loves me and I belong to him. And when we belong to church, we grow and our lives influence and help others. Because that's what we want to do, don't we? We want to help others. We want to do something that we just want to we want to do something that matters. We don't want to just go, oh yeah, just doing my day, just doing the stuff and didn't achieve much today, didn't help anybody, didn't do anything. It was a great day, yeah. And so we don't want that. We want to go, I did something today and felt like I had a purpose, felt like I've helped someone, felt like I've made a difference in someone's life. And so we want to influence and help others, especially when we belong to a church and we find our purpose. We have a desire to serve. We are able to use our God-given gifts and change the world around us. All of us want to change the world around us. That That's your world. could be the people you meet, the people you influence. You want to do something in someone's life. Life and leave a mark, don't you? Maybe. <laughs> Sounds like too much work, you know. I'd just rather just go down the, down the beach and sip coffee all day and just look at the ocean and just dream. No, you want to do something that influences, influences lives, changes someone's life. And so maybe recently in your life, maybe you've had some changes in your life. Maybe you've just moved to town. That's a big change. Maybe you've moved towns. You've moved from another city. Maybe you've uh, changed schools. Maybe you've just changed your job. Maybe there's a change of home or you bought a new house or there's things happen. There's change happen. And often when we change, especially if we move to a new place or, or you've come to a church for a first time or a new school, we want to find a place to belong. We're looking for someone to connect to or something to be involved in because you you want to belong and so today I want to talk about belonging and 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 being and what our God wants us to belong and I want to share a story and I think it's a story that fits in well with the whole flow of the service today it's a story that uh, if you've been in church a little while and if you've read your Bible a bit you would have read this story heard about this story I've preached about this story it's not a story that you haven't heard before but it's every time you talk about this story it's very powerful it's very impacting and there's so much in it it's one of the most amazing conversations that Jesus has that had when he was on the earth it's one of the most amazing things that happened when you see the whole uh, big picture of this story and I just simply want to go through this story today and make some points and the story is about the woman at the well the Samaritan woman that Jesus goes and meets and uh, and I was thinking about this story and here's a few things that Jesus knew he knew before he got 
to this well. He knew before he even met her, here's a few points that when you read the story, you realize Jesus knew all this stuff. It's pretty powerful when, he, when you realize what he understood. Here's the first thing. There's five things he knew. Jesus knew this woman would arrive at the well by herself at the wrong time of the day. She arrived at this well to get water in the heat of the day by herself and that's just the wrong time of the day because they didn't do that in culture. They went in the late afternoon and it was cool because they're carrying heavy pots of water. And Jesus knew that this woman was going to arrive in the heat of the day, the wrong part of the day, by herself. Even coming by herself wasn't normal. We'll find out as we go. But he knew that. That's why he showed up in the heat of the day and waited a well. He got there before she did. No one else was there. And he sent the disciples into the village to go get lunch. It was just after lunchtime. And he's sitting there waiting. The second thing Jesus knew is that she needed living water. She's came to get real water, but he had something of living water, spiritual water, water of the Holy Spirit, that he knew that she needed more than natural water. The third thing that he knew is that Jesus knew that she had serious problems with relationships that was, that was causing a whole lot of hurt and pain in her life, and Jesus knew that by the conversation we read. The fourth thing he knew is that she had questions about how to connect with God through worship. Because she brings it up and talks about it. The fifth and last thing Jesus knew, he probably knew more than this, but this is five I've mentioned. Jesus knew that she was the key to hundreds of people in her village believing in him and reaching sal- and, and um, receiving salvation. He knew that this broken, rejected woman who was coming to the world the wrong time of day was the key to a whole village coming to know him. Now, what would we do in that situation with that knowledge? She'd arrive and we'd go, you're the key. You're going to see your whole village is going to come to know, get salvation and all that. You're the key. You need to just, if you just sort your life out and do whatever, you're gonna, God's got an incredible plan for your life. And she would freak out. She'd go, who the heck, what are you talking about? Drop her thing and run off. This guy's weird. And so, you know, we would, often we can, you know, this is to help someone because often we can jump and we can see so much potential in someone and we go straight to the, God is going to use you to change this and do that. And we tell them all this stuff and they freak out. I've seen people leave and never come back. I'm serious. They're not in church today because they got freaked out at what they were told. And Jesus, in this whole thing, doesn't even mention her purpose of what God wants her to do. I said that to help someone. We have to be very careful not to put pressure on people and not pressure them. That doesn't mean that what you're saying isn't true. But sometimes we have to do it God's way. We have to do it the way Jesus did, and he shows us how he does it we need to do sometimes you've got to go through all the other stuff all the other junk all all the other conversations all that place and then you don't need to tell them God's plan for their life because they will know they will go they don't even need to have someone tell them they'll just go and live it out because they meet and encounter the one that changes them so I want to read part of this story. We're going to read part of the story, and I'm going to stop in different places and talk about a few things. 
And I believe this is going to help some people today and, uh, and help us to even go deeper with God than we already are. Already are. John 4, 1-42, the news quickly reached the Jewish le- uh, religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. That's John the Baptist. Although Jesus himself didn't baptize, but only the disciples. Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Everyone else, by note, would avoid Samaria. Everyone went around Samaria. Jesus deliberately went through Samaria because he wanted to meet this one woman. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well, which has a whole history itself, and sent his disciples into the village to buy food for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. She replied, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. That was way out of culture what Jesus just did. For him to be alone with a woman and also to like talk to her. Him being a Jew, her a Samaritan, they just didn't get on. And in fact, there's many times you can find in history that Jews just hate Samaritans. Like they will use a word that strong, they just don't want anything to do with them. And so she was shocked that he would even talk to her. Jesus replied, If you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, But sir, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, and now it's got her attention, let me drink this water so I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come back to here to draw water. She's thinking, this is awesome. One drink, don't have to come back and get any water anymore. Save me a whole lot of time. You know, especially in the situation I'm in, she's thinking, and all the stuff I'm going through. And Jesus said, Go, get your husband and bring him back here. This is, when you read this, you realize all this stuff that Jesus knew. She was thirsty. She was thirsty for not natural water, but spiritual water. She was thirsty. And then also he knew about her relationships. Go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times. And now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. That's like what the way she was living in her culture was just so, like in their eyes was so bad. Like serious, like even in our culture, like five husbands, like married five times. That's just like, that's just a whole lot of work right there when you think about that. And so, my goodness, organizing five weddings and like the way they'd celebrate weddings is like, that's like months out of your life. And so anyway, and so... My goodness, months of organization over and over again. And so she's lived and she's obviously, whatever she's done, whether it's her fault or someone else's fault, she's been married five times. And you know, she's known as the, oh, she's the woman that's had five husbands. She's the woman that's now living with the man. She's not even married to him. And so she's living in sin. She's the worst of the worst 
And that's why she's stuck at this well by herself, because no one wants to be with her. She's like the black sheep of the, of the village. And so that's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who's not your husband. You've told the truth. And the woman changed the subject. She's like, well, let's get off this subject. That's not good. Uh, you must be a prophet. She didn't want to talk about that. It's like, oh, I don't want to talk about my faults. I don't want to talk about my... She doesn't want to remind her of how... Because she knows she's... She knows she's not right. She knows that she's made mistakes. And she, I don't want to talk about that. And it brings up the pain of being rejected, the pain of people not talking to her, the pain of all the stuff she's gone through. And the woman changed the subject. You must be a prophet. So tell me this. This is the subject. She changes something different. Why do our fathers worship God on this nearby mountain? But your people teach that Jerusalem is a place where we must worship. Who's right? And she asked that question in the middle of it all. She changed the subjects, but obviously she had questions about connecting with God. So here's a few things to note about what's going on. The first thing I noticed, and I hadn't always seen this before, but this woman, the basis for this whole story is that she didn't belong. She was looking for a place to belong. She, she'd done some stuff and stuff had happened. She didn't belong in a village because no one wanted to hang out with her. She's trying to find her fit. She's trying to think, well, no, they don't want me in the village. They don't want me there. I have, I'm at the well by myself, getting water by myself in the hottest part of the day. I'd love to come in the afternoon and hang out with the other women and, and talk, but they don't want to be with me. I don't belong. I don't fit in because I've made so many mistakes, because I've done it all wrong, and I don't know how to fix it. And so she didn't belong. Then she, then she asks, you know, you know, part of that's obviously her own doing, her own lifestyle, and then whether it's her or someone else, she's obviously made decisions and found her in that place of rejection. But then realizing that Jesus is a prophet, because of she, he knew all this stuff about her, she's like, well, you must be someone, you, you knew the future, you know what's going on. You had like a word of knowledge about me and, and you must be a prophet. And so she asks about worship because obviously in her heart she's like, at the same time she wants to find a place to belong, but also she's a, there's a cry in her heart to belong to God. And she asks a question about, well, well where, where do you worship? We are told we've got to worship on that mountain and you'll meet God there. And you say we've got to meet in Jerusalem and, and we'll meet God there and, and connect with God there. He said, well, who's right? She's like, Who, who's right? What, where, what is it? What, how does this all work? And so her heart's desire is, is genuine about, I want to connect with God, but I don't know how to do it because everyone's telling me two different things. How do I belong to God? How do I fit with God? How do I connect with God? And again, she's looking for a place of belonging, of acceptance. To put it in today's term, I thought about this and thought about that conversation because it hasn't actually a lot of that similar today. If we were to put that conversation, what she's asking in today's terms, it would go something like this. You need to worship God in this church over up the road at this time of the day. That's, that's where you're going to meet God. Or you need to sing slower songs in church, a certain style to really worship God. Or you need to sing songs that are a bit faster or, or a bit shorter to really connect with God. Or we need to worship God for a certain amount of time because it takes time to really connect with God. And so we can, you know, people, I've had these conversations where people go, you need to do this, you need to do that to really worship or connect with God. Can I just say, take a whole lot of pressure off all those things of personal preference. And none of it is real worship. 
Singing a song isn't worshipping God. It helps you, singing about God, singing a song obviously about Jesus and focusing on Him, it helps you connect. It's a tool that's used for you to focus and connect on God. Worship is far more than a song. Far more than a song. And if we just get caught up with just worshipping God, we've got to sing this song and that song, then we're missing a whole lot that Jesus is going, well, you're, you've, got like, you've got like 3% of the 100 of what worship is and how, how we connect. You know, you can, you can sing blue suede shoes Elvis if you like and try and worship God, even though that would be fun. But um, it probably wouldn't get you many, much focused on Jesus. But a song itself, songs are amazing and we use it and we call it worship because it actually just brings us into worship. Okay, it's not, it's not the only way to worship God, but it's powerful to do that. Worship is more than singing a song, giving, like we, we give our tithes and offerings. That's an extension of our worship. Serving others is, a, is worship to God. Helping others is worship to God. God looks at that. Prayer and reading the Word is an act of worship to God. And singing and... Everything we, we call worship is a lot of the time in church when we're singing, it's just a, it's just a way to bring us into God's presence because worship is putting your full attention on Him. Your full attention. It's, it's much deeper than singing a song. And so then Jesus responds to this question. She's like, who's right? Do we worship on this mountain? Do we worship in Jerusalem? Who's right? And Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman. You'd probably say exactly the same answer to us today if we were trying to ask some questions. The time has come when you will worship the Father neither on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship, but we Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is available. From now on, worshipping the Father will be not a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is spirit. That word spirit is breath in the word of God. So spirit breathed. It also is interesting that when, when that word spirit is used, it's talking about, so when we speak, when we sing in the spirit, it's actually the breath of God bringing us in and drawing us into the presence of God. For God is spirit and he longs to have sincere worshippers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. So Jesus talks about real worship being in spirit and in truth. And you sort of think, well, what does that really mean? What does spirit and truth really mean? Bible teacher Michael Howman says this, true worship must be in spirit that is engaging the whole heart. Unless there's a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. At the same time, worship must be in truth, that is, having a knowledge of the God we worship. Otherwise, there is no worship in truth. In other words, when we know who God is, when we, we, we go to ignore, we, we adore Him, not ignore Him, we adore Him when we know who He is, because of who He is. We read in the Word of God, Glenn was talking about a communion, how wonderful He is, how He's faithful, He's trusting, He's, he's kind, He's good. And we know all this knowledge, that's knowing truth. And we combine that with spirit together and we bring worship to God. It says both are necessary for satisfying and God-honoring worship. And this is interesting. Spirit without truth, spirit without truth leads to a shallow, overly emotional experience that could be compared to a high. As soon as the emotion is over, so is the worship. 
And I've seen people, I've taken kids to Planet Shakers and seen you know, a whole bunch of kids totally changed and transformed and because they really go deep into God and God touches them. And I've seen others get caught up and they love the songs and the worship and the singing, but as soon as the music stops, they're exactly the same. So worship in spirit and in truth. Truth without spirit can result in a dry, passionless encounter that can easily lead to a form of joyless legalism. So it's not one or the other, it's both. And just a knowledge of God and a head knowledge of God is, is good, but without the Spirit flowing through the worship and bringing life to it, it becomes dry and legalistic. Like, oh no, you can't do it that way. Has to be this way. Have to sing it like that. You have to kneel on your knees. Have to raise your hands. You have to be up the front because God, there's more of God up the front than there is at the back. I've had people tell me that. I'm like, just I'm just glad you're in the building. Like, God, you think think it's hard for God to go from here to there? Oh, it's too far. I'm not going down the back to help that person. Well, they should come up here. It's like, man, you know, Holy Spirit's like, no, I'm a bit tired today. Sorry. Sorry, no, they're sitting too far back. I'm just just the first five rows today, that's it. Next week, you guys, I might move back a bit further, but Give me a break. So, so this is truth. Okay, let's just let's just like come on. Just God is real in this place. It doesn't matter where you are. It's not a place. It's not a church. There's, obviously, there's great churches and there's churches that I that are, you know I believe this is a great church where we we're open to God coming in and moving. And there's and other churches that are like you know closed off to some stuff. So yes, you need to be in a church that's open and, and ready to for God to move and allow the Holy Spirit to move. But the fact we, you should never say one is better than the other or God can't move. I've seen God shake churches that are dry as a bone that are just that are whole onto stuff or whatever, and God's coming and absolutely blew the place apart by His Holy Spirit because he loves people God's not limited by anything he can do anything he wants to do so we need a combination of both the more we know about God the more we appreciate him the more we appreciate the deeper our worship the deeper our worship the more God is glorified the ultimate goal of worship is to lift him up above everything else lift him up above your circumstances your situations no matter what's going on and God will come Oh, yeah, um, this was highlighted to me uh, recently, and uh, this was through a song. And uh, there's an album that I often listen to. And uh, Olivia, look, I, I, re- I listened to it. My dad's listening to that album again. Everybody's like, she's listening to that album again. And so, um, and it's Michael W. Smith, and it's simply called Worship. Some of you know uh, that album. And uh, it's because some of the songs are a bit old, and it's like, you know, and Olivia loves newer songs or whatever, which is totally fine. You can worship to whatever songs you want, okay? And so, I have a combination of both. And so, but the reason I listen to this album is because it was 21 years ago. And you can and you can still look it up. And some of you I know in this place own it on DVD probably. And you can look up on YouTube and watch it. And uh, and I was recently listening to this, actually watching a clip. And I'm going to show you a short clip of it. But in this album, every time I listen to it, for whatever reason, the pr- when you listen to it, the presence and the power of God just comes. 
and that through moments through the whole thing, and they're just in a stadium, I think they're in Canada, and God just comes in the middle of it. And I, and I realized that, uh, and I'll explain about the difference I saw recently last year when they redid the album, but there's a moment, and I realized that it's, it's not just the singers and the musicians, it's the people's response. And so I just want to show you this one clip. It's a clip of a, uh, one of the songs. It's not the whole song. We, it, it goes too long. But there's a moment in this song where the band, they've sung the song and, and they get through, truly to this point, uh, to a point where the, the musicians have to stop and the singers on stage have to stop because the people are singing and they try to move on to another song and they can't because the people keep singing in worship to God because they're just captivated. They're captivated with Him. And, it, and when I read about spirited and truth, I thought they really kept, it's, it's an example of they said they're so captivated by him that the, like, it's like the people on stage weren't there. Musicians said if they left the building, it wouldn't matter because they met with him, because they met with Jesus. So I just want to show you this clip three, four minutes long.
And so, and there's and there's moments through that album that are, that are like that all through it. And um, and it's and you know some of you have heard that before or seen that and probably watched that maybe. And and uh, but when you but it's like they're captivated. You can't you can't create that. You can't like just say, let's we're going to worship until this happens or whatever. You can try to, but those moments kind of just happen when people's hearts are worshiping in spirit and truth. In a contrast, last year they did the album again, and um, and uh, it's called Worship Forever, and I uh, met, met in a place like that, and and with a full orchestra and incredible musicians and other worship leaders, and and there was people gathered there, and incredible, and you know Michael W. Smith led again, and whose heart you know for God, and then I watched it, and it's an incredible album, and, and I'm not saying you don't watch it, but I I sort of they played all the same songs and they played the songs and I thought it's just not the same and what I realized was that the, the people's response was different and I'm, I'm not saying they weren't worshiping God or wanting to or weren't sincerely doing it it's just they, they just weren't fully they just didn't go as deep as they could have and so, for example, I noticed that, you know, at the end of a song, this is what really got me, at the end of the song, especially that song, they clapped like a concert, like that was so good, and you played that so well, sang that so well. And I thought, oh, that's probably not what God really wants. He doesn't want to clap the band at the end. He wants you to adore Him. And they had that on their phones, filming every song. And I'm like, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, but I thought, you yeah, if you put your phone down and look past the band and past the orchestra and past the singers and see Jesus. And so I noticed all that stuff and I noticed that, you know, I thought, you know, and I was sincerely worshipping God, but I thought there was something different about it because the people there were so captivated with him and I thought that's worship in spirit and truth. It's worship in spirit and truth. It makes a difference when it's spirit and truth. God's presence, when we worship in spirit and truth, it doesn't mean that God's not in the building, but he comes in greater measure. He comes in greater measure. And in a moment like that, we just watch when it's like he captivates people's heart. That's a moment you can be changed. I guarantee you, you go talk to some of the, there's a crowd of 15,000 people there, a lot of them young people. And if you go to meet them today, I guarantee you they'd all remember that night. I said, I remember, did you go to a night with Michael W. Smith? He said, oh, yeah. 21 years ago, I remember that night. It's the night that God showed up. My life was changed that night. I'll never forget that night. And so that's the kind of worship Jesus is trying to convey. He said, it's not a place. It's not a particular church. It's not a style of music. It's not having the best musicians or the best singers. It's worshiping in spirit and in truth. You can do it in your bathroom. You can do it in your car. Worship in spirit and truth brings you close to Jesus. It brings freedom. Worship defeats worry. Worship puts life into perspective. And when you worship in spirit and truth, you know to whom you belong. You know to whom you belong when He captures your heart. I'm going to wrap this up today by finishing off this story. The woman said, this is all so confusing. She says to him, like, I'm trying to put my head around this, worship in spirit and truth. But I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. 
And when He comes, He will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I'm the one you're looking for. That's an incredible lie. I'm the one looking for. People, I'm searching for something. He's the one you're looking for. Jesus is the one you're looking for. At that moment, His disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. She's like, what's He doing speaking to a woman? And she's a Samaritan. They're by themselves, culturally bad. Yet none of them dared ask why or what they were discussing because they'd learnt real quick that if you ask Jesus questions, He always has the best answer and there's a reason for everything He does and I'm just going to look like an idiot if I ask Him that question. So all of them said nothing. And all at once, the woman left her water jar. This scene you see in the Chosen series, she basically just drops it, leaves it. The whole purpose she was there didn't matter anymore. Leaves her water jar, runs off to her village and tells everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He Could He be the one we've been waiting for? Could He be the one we've been waiting for? Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Do you know why I know she was changed in that moment when she realised who she was talking to? She realised when she was talking to Jesus, the Messiah, and all her fears dropped away. All her rejection dropped away because she ran back to the village and all the people she couldn't face, all the people she couldn't talk to, all the people that rejected her, she wanted them to know Jesus like she'd met Jesus. So she ran back didn't care what she'd done, all that stuff. She knew she was accepted by God, accepted by Jesus. And it didn't matter anymore what people think. She just wanted them to come and meet, come and see the One who told me everything, all my faults, all my shame, all the stuff. And He accepted me. He's going to accept you too. Come and meet Him. Come and meet Him. When you belong to Jesus, you want everyone to belong. When He captures your heart, you want everyone to experience that moment. And it finishes off with this. And the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some food that they brought back from Him, saying, you know, we've gone and got food, you got lunch. Teach, you must eat something. And but Jesus told them, I have eaten a meal. This is for everyone out here. He, this, is, is, this is something we all need to know. I've eaten a meal you don't know anything about. Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss it among themselves. Did anyone, did someone already bring him food? To clarify, Jesus spoke up and said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and bring it to completion. As the crowds emerged from the village, they're all coming out because she had told them as they emerged from the village, Jesus said to His disciples, Why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. And He would have pointed to all the people streaming out of the village. Now is harvest time. Their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a harvest. Everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive reward. But those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the spiritual harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying, one sows and a seed and another reaps the harvest. I've sent you out to harvest a field you have not planted, where many others have laboured long and hard before you. And now you are privileged to profit from their labours and reap a harvest. Many from the Samaritan village became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony, which was, He told me everything I ever did. That was it. That was it. 
Then she begged Jesus, then they begged Jesus to stay with them. So He stayed there for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in Him because of the message. The Samaritan said to the woman, Now we've heard Him ourselves. We no longer believe just because of what you told us, but we're convinced that He really is the true Saviour of the world. That word, that word Saviour in Aramaic simply means life giver. They said He is the life giver. Why don't you stand with me today? Jesus wants you to belong. The first place of, place of belonging is to understand that you have salvation, that you belong in His kingdom. You may not be in His kingdom. Maybe you don't know Jesus here today. Maybe you've given your life to Him a long time ago, but you've kind of drifted away. But He wants everyone to belong. He wants everyone to have salvation, to belong into His kingdom, be His son, be His daughter. I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. just blocks out distractions for a moment. And maybe you're here, and just like that woman who was a bit lost and didn't know where to find God. Was it that mountain? Was it that place or this place? She found, a, found life by meeting Jesus. And there's people here today that you'll find life when you meet Jesus. He's, your, he's living water. Maybe you're dry, you're thirsty, you've done some stuff maybe like she has and you're not proud of. Maybe you've been rejected. Jesus accepts you just as you are. He doesn't want anyone to miss out. And if you're here today saying, I need Jesus. I need to give my life to Him. I need His healing power in my life. I need His touch. I need His love. I need His acceptance and forgiveness in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand today because I'd just love to pray with you and make sure that no one misses out. Thank you. Just raise your hand up nice and high just so I can see. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else today? You feel distant from God. Anyone else today? Just you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Is there anyone else just before we move on? Thank you, mate. He's worthy of it all. Jesus, you're worthy of it all. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. I pray that there wouldn't be one person here that doesn't feel like they belong. That you have a place for each and every one of us. This is what I want to do. That If you put up your hand and you're saying, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to want Him to come into my life. If, if you, there's three or four hands came out, I just want you to come out the front and uh, make your way out now. You want to, if you want to come out with someone, you can. Maybe you didn't put your hand up, you know you need to be here. You feel dry, feel thirsty, feel like you need living water. Maybe you're in this place and you felt rejected by people. You felt, felt alone. You may not, maybe you know Jesus, but there's some other areas of your life where you're saying, I, I, just, I just need to feel loved. I need to feel accepted by Jesus. And maybe you haven't. If you want to come to the front, you can. He doesn't want anyone to feel alone. If you're dry and thirsty before we finish this service and you want living water, come to the front. 
Maybe there's been some recent changes in your life and you're trying to find where you belong. Or there's some, you know, you've changed jobs or you just moved to town and, and maybe you're struggling and sort of thinking, oh, you know, feel a bit like I need to get to know people. And God wants to put His loving arms around you. He wants you to know it's okay. to Jesus and said I want to give my life to him if you're not at the front you can pray this prayer as well and then we're going to just some of the team are just going to pray for some people at the front after we prayed that prayer you're welcome if you need prayer for something else healing or something you can welcome to come to the front we'd love to pray with you and after this prayer we're going to end our service and um, you're able to go there's morning tea tea and coffee out there and hang around chat to someone but let's pray right now. I want you to, as I pray, repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for paying the price for all of my sin, all of my mistakes. Today I give my life to you. Take away every bit of guilt and every bit of shame. Thank you, Father God, for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, for, thank you that I belong to you. Let your presence fill me today. Holy Spirit, just come and be a part of my life. Lead and guide me. In Jesus. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.basechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Basechristianchurch. Christian Church.